I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. December 6, 2020. Robbing a bank. St. Nicholas and Advent. This is awesome today. Awesome today is a daily show, even though it technically isn't every day. It is barely edited and sometimes offensive. It is a good show. Some might even call it awesome. If you are friends with someone who doesn't think this show is awesome, you deserve better friends. Hi. Good day, ma'am. It's a big day. It's, it is, in our family, it's a very significant day. It's a big old day. That's right. It's what is the day? It's December 6th. Okay. And if, in fact, today is your birthday, one, happy birthday. Mm -hmm. Two, you share it with Babyface Nelson, one of the many well-known bank robbers of the 1930s. So much bank robbing was happening in the 20s, 30s. A lot, don't yeah, you feel like? it makes me feel like I was born in the wrong era. <laughs> I could rob a bank. I could. I have no doubt that you could. And get away with it. I'm glad that you haven't. I you, won't. You do work in the financial services industry, but... It's reverse robbery. We steal from our clients rather than from <laughs> the bank. That's not true. It's not true. Well, it's not true for me. Not true for me. Not you. true for me, but mm -hmm. it is true sadly for the rest of the industry yeah moving on because that's not awesome yeah what's much what is much cooler than you sharing a birthday with babyface nelson who was a figure in oh brother where art thou mm -hmm. which was significant his name was george and oh george not, not the, the livestock. livestock yeah but much cooler than all of that your birthday is also the feast day of saint nicholas and that's why it's a big day for our family. It is. It's a double feasting because St. Nicholas, your patron saint, mm -hmm. not that long ago, just a little over three years ago, it's not so much that you found St. Nicholas, no. St. Nicholas found you. Yes. That's, that's the accurate, powerful, meaningful perspective. He found me mm -hmm. because... He knew. He recognized, and mm -hmm. yeah, and yes. I—I don't know that I've ever felt mm -hmm. more seen, yeah, than when I read and know about him and say, yeah, he found me, and he's worked diligently to pray for me and intercede on my behalf. I feel like it was around his saint day when I was like, have you ever? looked into the actual St. Nicholas, not jolly old St. Nick, Santa Claus, <laughs> but the real St. Nicholas, I feel like it was pretty much love at first sight between the two of you. <laughs> and that when you began to dig into his life, yeah, it was, we're going to do here in a minute. Yeah, it was like recognizing someone that you've known your whole life, but yes. you never met. To the point where when we discovered our fifth child would be a boy, I think it was pretty instantaneously clear to both of us, his name's going to be Nicholas. Nicholas, except that we went with the German approach, mm -hmm. and he's Nikolaus. Nikolaus, yes. Okay, tell us a little more about St. Okay. Nicholas, not jolly old St. Nick. No, the real because that's, Saint a, Nick. that's a travesty of an embarrassment to view just from that perspective alone. It's really, like, when you think about what... 
the broader U.S. culture thinks about St. Nicholas compared to the actual man. What the rest of the world recognizes. Uh, yes. It's because two this, different people. He may be, honestly, at a global level, he may be a snoring dog. Mm-hmm. No, that's what it's we a lot have. of snoring. He may be the most, definitely one of the most, if not the most popular mm-hmm. saints across the globe. I didn't, I didn't write down the number of parishes, the number of oh, churches that are named after him. Yes. It is massive. My friend Julie, who travels, well, in the, in the before times. One moment. Dogs. Dogs. No snoring. There's no boredom. My friend Julie and Awesome, in the before times, traveled back and forth between the United States and Israel quite a bit. And as part of her travels over there, also went to different countries. She sent me a picture of a sailing vessel. I want to say, where were they? It was one of the, like, former Soviet nations. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember where it was now. Russian Orthodox. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yes. Saint Nicholas. Yeah, also in the Greek Orthodox. He's yep. really big. Um, anyway, she sent me a, a sailing vessel that was named the Saint Nicholas. Like, it is a thing. Yeah. The Saint Nicholas devotion around the world. So, please tell us a little more about our. Okay, well, duty. we've got four stories here. The first one is the three maidens. Do you want me to take that or would you like to tell it? Uh, you go ahead and tell it this one. I'll tell the okay. next one. So, and I'll give a little bit of background. St. Nicholas, who would have just been Nicholas prior to being a saint, though Nicholas, I believe I'd read, was one of the first, one of the first names referenced in extra-biblical writings as a, as a a leader of the church. Because what, give us the context, historically speaking, what time frame are we looking at? Well, this Nicholas was in the fourth century, Mm -hmm. in the 300s. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're talking a good while ago, but even his name, uh, he was he was kind of a surprise blessing to his parents. And certainly then, even now in devout families, you have this look back at names that mean something biblically. Yes, yeah. And extra biblically for them, because yeah. there was no Bible yet. Right, of course. It was just within the... The, the spoken telling of things because people also couldn't read, but they mm-hmm. had memories that were mm-hmm. insane and memorized. My goodness, snoring dogs, stop. It's Francie. She's over it there. It is Francie. Just sawing logs. She doesn't even know how much she's snoring. She doesn't like St. Nicholas. She's an idiot. <laughs> anyway, names... Yes, important, repeated. When someone was good, their name was reused in hopes that that child would be as good as what came before. That's right. That's right. Okay, tell us the three maiden story. So the three maiden story. Um, And now I have to back up again because he was born into a family of moderate to upper moderate. So he's middle, upper, middle class family. They had some wealth. His parents died tragically. He was left behind. He was inspired rather than to just enjoy what wealth they left behind as his inheritance. He was more driven to share yes. and give and love people with what that was. That's right. And so there was then in his lifetime, there was a rich man who had fallen on hard times. Mm-hmm. He's no longer rich. He yeah. had once been rich. Yeah. He had three daughters. And they'd all reached the age at which they would be married. And in that culture and in that time, for a a bride to be takeable, there was a dowry, which was a a payment to a degree. It was was money, goods, things, whatever that was given from the father to the groom. Because in in this lasted for centuries, Mm -hmm. centuries upon centuries, Women would not be bringing any substantial financial uh, right. growth to the family. Right. And so it was a sort of like, okay, in a sense, in the most like cynical look at it, like you're taking on this burden, burden mm-hmm. to yourself. So here are the things that we will entice you to say, yes, please take this yes. woman. So this, this father 
had no money now, Mm -hmm. and so we had no dowry to offer. And that meant that instead of marriage for his daughters, that most likely in that culture at that time, that those daughters would have been sold into slavery Mm -hmm. and not not the soft version of slavery, but most likely sex slaves. Mm -hmm. Just the worst thing you can imagine. Yeah. Nicholas found out about this and his heart was moved deeply. Mm -hmm. And so then coming in secret and by night, he snuck up to their home and he threw a bag of gold into the house through an open window. It just so happened that it landed in a stocking that had been hung in front of the fireplace to dry. That's right. This is, of course, where we get the tradition then of hanging stockings in front of the fireplace and the tradition of, on now December 6th, putting gold coins in the shoes of our children. Yep. This is where that originated. Yes. Now, St. Nicholas, because there were three daughters, Mm -hmm. St. Nicholas did make two more visits each time, tossing a bag of gold into the home. It was then on the last visit, because with each time that it occurred, the father of the family, and I can appreciate this, this desperate feeling of what you... Snoring dogs are amazing, aren't they? Mm -hmm. It's deeply disturbing. Francie! Stella, please stop. You're wrecking the show. The people don't like it. <laughs> I can appreciate from the perspective of a father yeah. what a tremendous soul deep challenge and yes. hurt that this was. Well, he was so moved by this rescue mm-hmm. that after the second one came, he was literally camping out, staying up all night, trying to catch whoever it was that mm-hmm. was doing this. Mm-hmm. And he did. On yes. the on the last visit, the father did as it does at least describes in one of the tellings, like mm-hmm. leapt out and tackled St. Nicholas. But not for harm, mm-hmm. to be like, finally I know who to express my gratitude yes. to. Yes. And St. Nicholas was embarrassed mm-hmm. because he didn't do any of this for attention. Right. And and not wishing to be known, he begged the man to please keep his identity secret. Now, as is often the case in scripture that we mm-hmm. see where when Christ healed someone, he told them, don't tell anybody. And they immediately told they everyone. immediately just go tell yeah, everybody. That's kind of what happened here. And that's why that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's another Nicholas story. When he was a young man, Nicholas set out on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. This was very important. Yes, big, big thing of culture back then. Huge, huge. So the first night, he had a dream that a great storm would put them all at peril. He was on a ship. On a ship, yes. Set out for the Holy Land on a ship. So he had a a dream that this storm would come, put them at peril. When he awoke, he warned the sailors, but also told them God would protect them. Almost immediately, the sky darkened and the storm roared in. As conditions worsened, the sailors begged of Nicholas to pray for their safety. One of the sailors who climbed to the mast to tighten the ropes that secured it slipped. He fell to the deck and was killed. Nicholas prayed for the sailor who had been killed and the storm quieted. Oh, Nicholas prayed in general. First he prayed in general. First he prayed in general for the whole vessel. He prayed, the storm quieted. He then prayed over the dead sailor and this dead sailor was revived as if he had only been asleep. He awakened without any pain. Yes. Now, St. Nicholas, amongst other things, besides being known for generosity and for caring for children, also patron saint of sailors. Yep, and this is this is one of the direct things to that. Yes. Another story, there were three theology students. These would have been young teens because things happened at an accelerated pace when your life is shorter. Yes. They, yeah. Well, back Way back when in that culture... Um, children would have memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, 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 uh something like that. Mm -hmm. That would have been done like before the age of 10. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, 
So to be a theology student, they could have been literally just barely past 10. Absolutely. To be yeah. a theology student. Well, these kids were were traveling then to study further, which mm-hmm. meant that they were gifted, mm-hmm. recognized as such. They were going to go to Athens to study. Mm-hmm. They'd stopped along the way, as you would, to stay at an inn. And the innkeeper robbed and murdered them. Oh, my Hiding their remains in a large pickling tub. We just recently spoke say, about pickles. I was going to say, yes, never forget, pickles older than Christ. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. So, just so happens, Nicholas, and I believe he was a bishop at the time, okay. was traveling more or less the same route, ended up stopping at the same inn to stay the night. Okay. While he was asleep that night, he dreamed very vividly of this crime. Oh, my. As it had occurred, he woke up. Very agitated. He's a very excitable man, and yes. I appreciate that deeply. Yes. I realize he found me because I am uh-huh. him in many ways. Yes. He woke up. He called for the innkeeper and not gently, and I appreciate that too, he inspired the innkeeper to show him where the bodies were hidden. Okay. He... Getting there, he prayed fervently over those bodies, and the boys were restored to life and wholeness. Now, I did not realize that was part of the story. Mm-hmm. This feels like brand new information to me. I remember the story that the innkeeper showed him where the bodies had been hidden, but I did not realize that they were restored to life. That's yeah. pretty yep. remarkable. And there is a lot, there is a lot mm. about him that involves dream Interactions, okay. dream revelation, dream interactions. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'm going to let you tell this next story because this is like the pinnacle, okay. peak. This is this story. is one of my favorites because it does speak mm-hmm. to my own personal volatility. Okay, which isn't something I celebrate, but it also I think I celebrate the story because the volatility of my own personality is not my undoing necessarily. Exactly, yes. And so I I like this a lot. The story is so important to you because I feel like as we were coming into the church is when St. Nicholas invited you to get to know him. And this is the first story I found. This was the first story and you were like, oh, this confirms it. Like there is a place for me in the church and I see myself in this dude. Yes, so we're, we're looking at 325 A.D., 325. This is the time at which Emperor Constantine, we've discussed this in the past, he was kind of Christian-ish. He was still finding his way into Christianity because he was the one that made Christianity legal. Mm-hmm. It had been heavily persecuted, the Diocletian persecution, which... St. Nicholas was victim of. He had been imprisoned for a time and tortured. Mm-hmm. And, and as it was described, that during this time, there were so many bishops and priests in prison that there was no room for the actual criminals. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. That's the depth of the persecution. Yes. Um, well, when, when Constantine, and again, I won't, I won't completely relay everything we've talked about. Okay. He came into power under... Really, the guidance of a of a a, vis, of, yeah, of mm-hmm. a vision mm-hmm. from God. Mm-hmm. He wasn't still wasn't fully Christian, but he was pushing hard that way. Okay, he had recognizing a rift between the east eastern and western portions of the church, which would have been Rome and Constantinople. Okay, he'd called for a council to try to sort this through. He wanted peace and agreement within the church. Yeah. This would have been then the Council of Nicaea, the first mm-hmm. Council of Nicaea, um, which I think is technically the second ecumenical council. The first was the Council of Jerusalem, which is in the Gospels. Okay. Well, more than 300 bishops attended this, which is significant. Right. They were literally from all over what existed on their continent as the Christian world. Mm-hmm. And the main topic that was to be discussed and ultimately solved was it had to do with the nature of the Holy Trinity, which was the key issue that had arisen in what has since become known as the Arian heresy. Yes. Arius, Arian heresy named after Arius. Mm -hmm. Arius was a, I may have been a bishop. I think he was a bishop. He was a bishop. Yes. He'd been teaching 
of his own revelation, personal revelation, that Jesus the Son was not equal to God the Father. That's right. Which isn't what we now know and certainly not what had mm-hmm. been known at that time. And so, yeah, it, it created a rift. Not only a rift. Didn't what do you remember the percentage? You told me that at some point all yeah. of Christendom, like a certain percentage, almost like half, I think. It was like? let's just arguably call it half. It was bigger than what happened at the Protestant Revolt. Yes. It was major. Like half of the people who profess Christianity, which again we're talking about the fourth century, mm-hmm. this is a burgeoning, fast growing belief system and about half of them were like oh you know that makes sense that because again we talk about this in the context of family that god the father would be elevated above that he would be more mm, powerful more influential not that the son could not possibly be in equality to the father right which ultimately all of this is a violation of what any christian now knows as the trinity right yes it it's a it's an offshoot. It's a it's a new direction from that. And I think this really, and I, I know this is a little bit of a dog leg because we're talking about it's Nicholas fine. stories. We but have all the dog legs. Go for it. Well, this is really pivotal to the story of St. Nicholas. But, like, the Trinity itself is not defined in Scripture, right? Right. So That's this right. is a moment where, we, as we've talked about, these ecumenical councils convene not to create Right. The theology that Christians would believe, but to look at what was given to us in Revelation, um, both through Christ and then what we know now as the apostolic letters, to like look and at even, all of it. even the apostolic teachings before yes. even letters were right. a thing. Yes, because the Bible was not yet canonized at this point. Exactly to synthesize all of that and to be able to say like. I mean, it's easy to look back and be like, well, Arius, what a false teacher he was. But they had what we might call now a limited amount of material to work with. Mm -hmm. And so he was simply teaching what would make logical sense is that the father was sort of above the son. We did not have this understanding of the Trinity being perfectly equal consubstantial with each other right which is bizarre because even and and this was recognized by the church fathers at that time as they sorted through this to look back and say no this was actually made plainly clear in genesis okay that all three existed yes that there was thought word and spirit Mm -hmm. and all the things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was a major it was a major thing and you're talking about a culture who they weren't ignorant right that i think that's a a travesty to oh yeah look at them that way they weren't ignorant right. i think honestly many times that they're more intellectual than we are now look if you've ever tried to read through augustine's writings right i mean there's a lot going on there that i'm like whoa right. that's over my head they were not they were not literate which doesn't mean ignorant mm-hmm. they existed on memorization they existed on the telling of stories from one generation to the next and with an ability to maintain the integrity of the story far differently than we are capable of now. Right. Yes. So yeah, there was, there's just a lot up in the air. Um, so was that, and this was a major, major council that was being held to sift through things, keeping in mind, this is an era where communication was slow. And mm-hmm. so it was in fact a massive portion, in fact, half ish, of the portion of Christianity which had heard this and thought, well, it makes good enough sense and let's go that way. Right. Before the Holy Father in Rome was aware even that this was a significant thing to step in and say, mm. yeah, in cooperation with Constantine, let's let's get this sorted out. This feels a little fishy. Right. Okay. So back to Nicholas. So back to Nicholas. They're at this at this council, and at least as the writings would now tell. Arius had very, very forcefully, very animatedly presented his side of the case. And the rest of the of the bishops, which, as is my understanding, is still common to current day, they very peaceably listened, not interrupting, not like, hey, hang on. No, they actually waited and they listened and they heard the full exposition mm-hmm. and were succinctly, categorically, incrementally saying, nope, 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 nope. 
and here's why. No, but Arius was not to be deterred. He he only increased in his animation and his forcefulness of the presentation. Well, to Nicholas, yeah, this was it was hurtful. It was deeply offensive, and he'd had enough. Everybody else had too, mm-hmm. but he was kind of like, no, I've had enough. He stood up, walked across the room. Different stories tell it different ways. One is a slap. The other is a punch. He cold cocked Arius. Just, I've had enough of this bullshit. And he knocked him out. Now, at at the time, remember, Constantine is there. He Mm. is the, he is the emperor. Yeah. And from my understanding, Rome had been split to where there were two leaders of Rome because the empire had gotten so big, but things that happened at that point where he was the unified leader of Rome, one of the laws in place at that time was that no violence might be committed in, in the presence of the emperor. I'm sure a protective measure. Sure. Well, this would have been the biggest crime possible because violence was committed in the presence of the emperor. Mm -hmm. So immediately he is more or less arrested. Mm Mm-hmm. He was Bishop of Myra at the time. It, which is in modern-day Turkey. Modern-day Turkey. It mm-hmm. would have been Greece, I think, at the time. Sure, modern-day Turkey. Yeah. And so he's arrested. Now, Constantine, he recognized the crime and, of course, wasn't against the arrest. But he ultimately then passed it back to the bishops to say, you guys decide mm-hmm. what should be done here. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step aside. And what a good move by him to not try to override the church. Right. It's pretty bold of him to instigate a council um, to be called. But yeah, Yeah. so he stepped aside. The bishops didn't know exactly what to do. So they first, they more or less defrocked. They, and and in a very physical sense, they stripped St. Nicholas of, not saint at the time, they Mm -hmm. stripped Nicholas of his priestly robes. Mm -hmm. They put him in chains and in jail, and they made the decision that they would figure this out at the end of the council. Yeah. Well, that night, there's two different tellings of this, or maybe more. That night, while he is imprisoned and in chains, that Jesus and Mary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jesus and his mama, mm-hmm. that they appeared to him. Yeah. That Jesus gave him a copy of the gospel. Okay. And Mary gave him, um, I know it's in the notes and I'm not going to be able to find it, the absolute technical name of this, one of the priestly garments she okay. gave to him. Yes. And they had asked him, in fact, why are you in jail? Yeah. Why, why are you here? What, what, what are you here for? Mm-hmm. And they knew, mm, of, of course. course. Yes. And he said, because I love you. Yes. And it was accurate and true as well. Yes. And so they gave these gifts to him so that when the jailer came in the morning to check on him, mm-hmm. here he is back in his priestly garments and peaceably reading the gospel. The gospel. That had been handed to yes. him. Yes. So the one telling then is that when news of this reached Constantine yeah. and the bishops yeah. that he was that St. Nicholas was immediately released and fully reinstated to his bishopric. Is that the word bishopric? bishopric yeah. Something like that. Um, another telling is that while this was occurring, that also both Constantine and all of the bishops 
had had a dream of this exact thing occurring. So, in fact, when St. Nicholas was discovered Uh, with the chains on the floor, back in his bishop garb, and with uh, the gospel, that they were like, oh, whoops, you're free. You're fully reinstated. Sorry. And not not sorry, but, yeah, we're sorry. Mm. You're reinstated. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's so many St. Nicholas stories. There are. Those are just... Those are a few. Yes. There are literally many. There's a website, St. Nicholas Crud. Now I'm not going to remember what it was. Was St. Nicholas Center or something? St. Nicholas Center, and it's ST for Saint. Mm-hmm. St. Nicholas Center.org, and a snoring dog in the background. There are more stories than you can imagine. Yeah. Unless you are ho, 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 fantastic, which means you're not. You should you should look into this. Yes. The the what we've created in America around him is a travesty. Yeah. How he exists in the world across at minimally over forty two different countries. Oh yeah. The traditions, the the honor, the patronage. Wow. He's a significant part yes. of our family. In heaven, the communion of saints. And in our family here. In our family, he really is. It's a double feast day between you and Nicholas, our son, and then also it's a Sunday. So it's a triple feast day, you guys. At least at least threes, yes. Okay. Well, is that is are we moving into Advent right now? Speaking of we should. We should. Like I said, I could go on. I literally could go on. I can recall without reading notes. Stories and I could take up multiple episodes, but no, you, you wonderful people, you need to discover this yourself at whatever timing you feel inspired to do so. You know, one of a, a discussion question that comes up in our awesome community from time to time is, "What could you give a thirty-minute lecture on with no preparation at all?" I yeah. feel like you can stand up and talk about uh, well, Nicholas. I can't claim this because it'd be so far beyond thirty minutes. It'd be an easy thirty minutes yeah. for you, Saint Nicholas. Pray for us for sure. Yes. yes, and he does. He does. Okay. Well, this is the second Sunday of Advent. The first Sunday of Advent is when we light the candle that signifies hope. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the readings are based on the idea of hope, what we are hoping for in the day of the Lord, the hope that was placed in the Messiah, and our present hope of his second coming. Wait, I have one more St. Nicholas story. Oh my, okay, here we go. You want me to share it or do, do you want it. to do okay. Let's hear it. How he became bishop. Okay. This is interesting. Did, did so, Advent remind you of this or it just popped no, into your head? I don't know. I was torn on whether or not to include this and now I want to. Okay, let's do it. So... When his parents had passed, mm-hmm. he had, I think it was an uncle that was a priest, and he more or less kind of fell in with the uncle mm-hmm. for a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so certainly through all of that, he was he was legitimately on the path to priesthood. That was, that was what made sense. That was where it was going. But he wasn't in a rush to get there. He wasn't going to force it. Mm-hmm. It was just how things were happening. Mm-hmm. And... Meanwhile, back at the ranch, (laughs) meanwhile, in Myra, which, again, present-day Turkey, um, they'd had one of the priests, well, the bishop there, had. they were needing to select a new bishop. And they didn't know anything about him. He wasn't a thing yet. He was just him somewhere else. (laughs) The, the, The leadership of this group of local bishops that were looking to fill this role. The leader had said he'd had a dream and he told the rest of them the first, I I believe based on my dream, that the first person that comes through the door on this non, it was not a, a day of obligated attendance mm-hmm. to mass. Mm-hmm. The first person that arrives whose name is Nicholas is supposed to be our bishop. I remember this now. And they were, they were skeptical, but not skeptical right. at the same time. Sure. Yes. They were they were willing to go along, and so they'd, they'd set things up, as we would as humans, mm-hmm. so that there was someone at the door as folks came in inquiring, what is your name? Mm-hmm. Sir, sir, what is your name? Mm-hmm. And when he arrived, he was in, asked, what is your name? And he said, Nicholas. And, of course, they're all like, oh, my gosh, the thing that the person said and things and stuff. And it wasn't a common name. It right. wasn't. It wasn't an unheard of name, right? 
but it wasn't a common name. Mm -hmm. it, it would have been very just as likely probable that no Nicholas would have ever shown up to mass. That oh, day. interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when he said that's who it was, there of course all the alarms go off and they're bringing him in, and he does get brought in to the leaders of the group and said they told him, "Look, um, we we want you to be the bishop." And he immediately was like, "I am no." No, I'm not that far along. I'm not prepared for this. Right. All of that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. And Australian slash New Zealand mm -hmm. slang. Slang. And ultimately then he did accept. And that is how he became Bishop of Myra. Just this very divine yeah. intervention. I feel like there's a lot of connectedness between St. Nicholas and dreams. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And you and I have been talking about dreams. multiple other stories that we've not shared that are mm -hmm. affiliated with that. Interesting. Sorry okay. for the derail. Please never be sorry. It's truly, truly, this is a great day. Why, if you can't celebrate St. Nicholas on his feast day, when can you? Well, every day. Well, you should. Um, again, this is the second Sunday of Advent. The first Sunday uh, being an, um, a marker as we light the first Pink candle or whatever candle purple. you light. Purple. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Purple is what I meant to say. Uh, we're thinking about hope. The second Sunday of Advent brings in a week of thinking about peace. Now, this is, we are reading with you all the Sunday reading. So not only do we have an Old Testament selection and a response, we also have an additional selection, the second reading coming from a New Testament letter and then the gospel. So do you want to read this from Isaiah 40? We're camping out in Isaiah again. Do you want to read? I'll do my best. Okay. Comfort. Give comfort to my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her service is at an end. Her guilt is expiated. Indeed, she has received from the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wasteland a highway for our God. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill shall be made low. The rugged land shall be made plain, the rough country a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Go up on Go up on to a high mountain, Zion, herald of glad tidings. Cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, hear the good news. Fear not to cry out and say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here comes with power the Lord God who rules by his strong arm. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he feeds his flock. In his arms, he gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom and leading the ewes with care. Okay. I love that passage from Isaiah, especially towards the end. Of course, the beginning, speaking of comfort, mm -hmm. that God's people would once again find comfort in the peace that only God can bring. Yes. There's this indication that, the, um, that from the mountain, we will hear the good news. Now, what the people that Isaiah was speaking to may never have been able, and even Christ's actual disciples would not have maybe grasped at the time, is that the ultimate peace that Christ was bringing would be proclaimed from a mountain, but would be from a mountain of death, yeah. in which he's overcoming death. Yeah. And that that would be then the sort of wellspring of our peace as he conquers death, and he brings about the completion of God's plan of salvation for his people. Um, as you're thinking about going on a high mountain, Zion, herald of glad tidings, cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news. You know, Christ came to the people of Israel first. That was who he was meant yep. to come for. Well, that was prior to that. That was the only people who were yes. in communion with God. Exactly. And we have this beautiful picture as we close out the end of this reading from Isaiah. Like a shepherd, yeah. he feeds his flock. He gathers the lambs, carrying them in his bosom, leading the youth with care. That verse speaks to me, first of all, as a 
mother so strongly. Yeah. But then to think about Christ, we know one of the many titles of Christ that we celebrate now is Christ the Good Shepherd, that he is ultimately the shepherd gathering his people in. So the response this week is from Psalm 85, selections of verses from there. Do you want me to read or I can read the response? Go ahead. Okay. You read okay, so from Psalm 85, Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us your salvation. I will proclaim what God pro- proclaims the Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. So we have this concept of peace coming in with the second week of Advent. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in our land. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth and justice shall look down from heaven. The Lord himself will give us his benefits. Our land shall shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him and prepare the way of his steps. So that's the response from Psalm. Again, this idea that he's proclaiming peace for his people, that the salvation is near, that these things that sometimes feel like they're on a spectrum are going to come together in union. Kindness and truth. Sometimes we feel like we either can be kind or we can be truthful. Yeah. <laughs> Christ brings it together, kindness and truth, justice and peace. And again, in some contexts, feel like they're in different realms. But the, this uh, psalm is saying, no, justice and peace are going to kiss. They're going to be intimate in their closeness to each other. And that this will come to us in the form of our salvation, which again, as Christians, we believe comes through Christ. Is kindness always pleasant? Well, we want to believe that it is, but... Do you think it is? Sometimes the most kind thing to be said to us, it feels unpleasant in the moment. Yeah, it's the thing that shocks you out of the badness of Mm -hmm. where you're at. And I think that's a valuable thing to remember, especially in this... It's not not our generation or even the next. It's, It's the generation of our children who perceives... Only pleasantness could be kindness. Right, exactly. Pleasantness and kindness are often misconstrued and like, sort not misconstrued, what's the word? Conflated together. Yes, yes. Yeah. And. But the true kindness would be truth. Mm-hmm. And so it may sting for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, the second reading in the Sunday liturgy is from the Gospel of Second Peter. You want to read? I can. Okay. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some regard delay, but he is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a mighty roar, and the elements will be dissolved by fire, and the earth and everything done on it will be found out. Since everything is to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be, conducting yourselves in holiness and devotion, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved in flames and the elements melted by fire? But according to his promise, we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you await these things, be eager to be found without spot or blemish before him at peace. At peace. Yeah. Again, we're we're meditating on a week of peace and the thought that Christ not only bears with him hope, but also peace. The idea of the heavens and earth passing away may not be so peaceful to some. Well, certainly, depending on where you put your stress and emphasis. Exactly. And so I think it really speaks to this idea of anticipating Mm -hmm. what is to come. Um, And then if you look at and think about this in the context of the earliest church, the early centuries of the church, Nicholas's time, St. Nicholas's time and before, when the uh, aligning yourself with the salvation of God that was through the way of Christ 
may not have seemed on the surface to be peaceful. It was a time right. of great martyrdom. The blood right. of the martyrs. The Diocletian exactly. mess. Yeah. Exactly. The blood of the martyrs growing the seeds that would become fully Christ's church on earth. Does it seem peaceful? And yet we know from the testimonies of not only the Christians themselves, but the people who observe the Christians, there seemed to be a pervasive sense of peace even in the face of death. Right. And that to this day, though we, especially here in America, may not live with that impending sense of death for our beliefs, regardless of what circumstance we face, Paul writes in uh, Colossians that he himself, Christ himself, is our peace. And so, yeah. Well, I have a perspective to offer. Please do share it, yes. It may or may not be applicable to anyone. Okay. Any of the listeners who've ever participated in a physical endeavor, Mm -hmm. especially if it is an organized sport, might appreciate this. Mm -hmm. When I was coaching, one of the phrases that was constantly, seemingly at least, offered was that, hey, anybody can play healthy. And this was often... Understand that as an athlete reports at that level or above, as an athlete reports for their daily endeavor, it was quite often a beginning with a trip to the training room because dings and bruises and tweaks and things existed. Of course. And, And there was this discussion hey, anybody, anybody can play healthy, but the real competitor is the one who powers through, who who can push past the discomfort of whatever's going on. And I really, I view this from that perspective, this peace that exists. It isn't peace that exists because everything around you is peaceful and good. It's not a conditional peace. Right. It's peace that exists Mm. and noticeably because the conditions around you are horseshit. (laughs) They're terrible. (laughs) We're banged up. We're bruised. We're we're not at full health. Yeah. We're not at full functionality, but we have this peace mm-hmm. that's only special because it's unexplainable. Yes, that's right. Outside of the physical realm or within the physical realm, it's unexplainable. That's right. And that's that's the real strength of what's being said here is that even and especially in the midst of uncomfortable things like a persecution that actually peace can still and should still exist. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the gospel transitions us away from Matthew, where we've been camping out and into the gospel of Mark. But before we get there, I want to remind you that in Isaiah, the prophet is saying, a voice cries out in the desert. Yeah. Prepare the way of the Lord. You can... Because you know the lectionary. Yeah, I want to say who you're talking about, but I'll wait. Well, here we are. It's this the Gospel of St. Mark. We're in chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist, which is who I wanted to say, but held my back myself back from, John the Baptist appeared in the desert proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist He fed on locusts and wild honey, and this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I've baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So here we have the lectionary helping us to make sense of scripture. One of the many, many, many reasons I love the lectionary because scholars of God's word have looked at it as the complete story that it is and have painstakingly matched these passages so that we can see the prophecy through to the fulfillment. Now, I'm wondering, you know some things about St. John the Baptist you've discovered recently. I feel like it's burning within you to say this. (laughs) You have have fed me and stoked my fire. I am chomping at the bit. Okay, let's hear it. So when you think about someone that is 
in this description, dressed in camel hair clothing, leather belt, eating locusts and honey, you're you're forming some opinions right now. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Mm-hmm. But I want to pull back to, if I can find it, entertain the people with music or something. Um, I'm loving it. Why did that so he, so weird? Uh, that's McDonald's. <laughs> he makes the statements. St. John the Baptist makes the statement right after this description that he's clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey. And this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. Well, he seems like a real vagrant. He seems like a wackadoodle, right? In our modern day He's in the desert. He's wearing he's wearing what to us seems very strange camel hair. Camel hair, he's a leather belt, and he's eating bugs and honey. Yes. And what? How bold of a statement is it that one mightier than I is coming? Well, mm-hmm. that could just be somebody one rung up on homeless status. <laughs> this is just the person that found the the overpass to the interstate rather than the intersection a few blocks away <laughs> to beg for money, right? And I look, don't, I don't look, mean that I, in a hateful way. No, I'm laughing. I'm not going to lie. My whole entire life as a no. Christian being raised in the church, there's this idea of John the Baptist as being a wild-eyed, crazy person yes. out in the desert. And for good reason, you have that perspective because so much of quote-unquote scholarly examination of this would present him as a seeming lunatic. Yes, very recently, and I'm not saying this is the right way to perceive it. It's just a different way to look at it. Yes. Very recently, as I was reading through, I was impressed to do some additional research. And you're welcome to do the same to validate or invalidate this. Mm-hmm. If you were to look right now in our very seemingly modern and advanced culture from what they were, mm-hmm. And you were to examine what are some of the most expensive items of clothing that you can purchase. Mm-hmm. Well, one of those is a camel hair coat. Okay. They are insanely soft. Okay. If you've ever owned one, you know this. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, you should so that you can appreciate this. And because they're wonderful, a camel hair coat is a luxury. Okay, interesting. There's there may be no other material quite as soft because wool's warm, mm-hmm. but it sure as hell isn't soft. It's a little scratchy. It's scratchy. It is in fact the itchy and scratchy show. Yes, as the Simpsons would tell you. Yeah, it's very soft. It's incredibly warm, and if it's a robe, it's very, it's very loose and mm-hmm. free and unrestrained and. Feeling quite good about your mobility of your nethers. Yeah. It's a positive thing. It's a luxury, yeah. Leather belt. Well, if you're going to dress up, what do you wear? A leather belt. A leather belt in our culture. I would assume the same was true back then. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at locusts, which seems gross for us to eat, this is the only insect that is kosher. Okay. And when you begin to examine, again, looking at science and whatnots around all of this. Locusts are an incredible source of protein nourishment, which we only need protein and fat to live, Mm -hmm. as science so tells us. Mm -hmm. Incredibly protein-rich and dependent upon the diet Mm -hmm. that locusts themselves eat, that dictates their taste. Okay. They are, in some areas, referred to as the prawn of the air. Okay. The shrimp of the air. Yeah, so shrimp. Shrimp. Get that shrimp delicious. on. Yes. And when you look at what they might eat that makes them delicious, well, the foods that would be natural to the the flora mm-hmm. of the Middle East, those are all the things that would make locusts delicious. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. nutty, sweet, fruity, all of that. And then you tack on top of that honey. Yeah. Which was the only sweetener, really, that existed back then. And and I don't, again, I'm not demanding this be the way that anybody look at it, but one perspective would be this man is wearing the finery of of clothing, and he is eating the most delectable of diets that exist. And so when he says then, one is coming, that is much more, then that's, that's a very real statement there. Not to mention the fact that 
St. John the Baptist came from wealth. His parents, St. Elizabeth and and uh, Zachariah, is that her name? I don't think that was his name. I can't remember. I, I can't confirm or deny either which it was. I can tell you about his story, but I can't remember his We're name. Bad, bad Catholic. No, no, no. We're um, average Catholics in that regard. I do know for sure his mother, St. Elizabeth. Anyway, they were people of means, people yes, of wealth. quite wealthy. And so, yes, he may be in the desert, which, in, again, in our cultural conception and understanding of things feels like, oh, he was an outcast. Yeah, that could be the suburbs, but yeah, as we would been, look at exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Israel is not... Israel as being part of the Levant is not what we think of when we think of the Middle East. Right. The Levant around the Mediterranean is, there are definitely places that are a little bit more arid, but it's not the desert no, that we would consider. this is a lush, exactly. it's a lush place. Yes, exactly. So I, when you shared this with me, I was like, I feel like I've never even met St. Right. John the Baptist before. Right. I, I think the first thing to say whichever direction you want to move with how you perceive him, he was eccentric for sure. Mm-hmm. But so is every genius yes. that's ever been around. Einstein, yes. Tesla, pick your pick your genius. Mm-hmm. They're all eccentric and we love them for that. Yes. Yeah. And he was proclaiming, you know what? Away for yeah. the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is you see here that you're drawn to and everyone was. Yeah. Whatever it is you're seeing here, it's a it's a dot on the map of what's coming. Correct me if I'm wrong, you and other people listening who know these things. I believe St. John the Baptist is one of only three people in the liturgical calendar whose nativity is recognized, of course, Christ, with Christmas, Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, her nativity, and the nativity of St. John the Baptist, which I believe is celebrated in June. June I can't I speak like. to the date, but I'm, I'm, and I had never realized this before, but as you're saying it, I can't poke a hole in that. Okay. Because again, his role, so significant. Yeah. The first, we know that St. John the Baptist leapt in the womb of his mother, St. Elizabeth, yeah. when he heard, when not, he didn't even hear, just when the presence of the yeah. Lord yeah. Yeah. came to him as he's in the womb and Christ is in the womb. He yes. is the first to bear with his physical being, the joy that is the coming of the right. Lord. Right, and all of this typologically, and if you want to get typological, you're going to be Catholic before you know it. So if you don't want to be... <laughs> Close your ears, go la, 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 ignore this. Yeah. But all of this was a recreation from when, excuse me, from when King David encountered in the same hill country in which St. Elizabeth lived Mm -hmm. and Mm St. Mary went to visit all of this, David found the Ark of the Covenant and he leapt with joy and danced well Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. She held within her the same things that the Jewish Ark of the Covenant held. You read up on that. Mm. You'll believe it more if you find it than if I tell you. Yep. This is a very significant portion of the story. That's right. It really is. And it's tucked into these readings for the Sunday liturgy for the second Sunday of Advent. So... Well, I don't think we need Oof. a whirl today. It's we don't, Sunday. Yeah, we don't even have a whirl, and it is a non-standard episode, yeah. so just whirl yourself. Go read go read the gospel account. Go read the typological connections. Go go to stnicholascenter.org. Read about St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. You won't be sorry. I'm hiccuping. Oh, now. no. I have the hiccups. Next thing you know, burping like an ape. We better get out of here. It may have already happened. Yes. That may have what caused the hiccups. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's everything. That's everything. Hey, thank you guys for listening today. We appreciate you deeply. That's right. And we very sincerely hope that you have an awesome today. Would you? Please do. And also St. Nicholas. Pray, pray for, for us. us. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. The true St. Nicholas would never wear a red suit. That's just embarrassing. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.